Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. And Father, I just thank you that you're doing a beautiful work in our lives, each one of us individually. And Lord God, we declare and decree that this is a day of release. This is a day of increase. This is a day of abundance. And no matter what we're surrounded by, we know we are surrounded by you. And that is how we fight our battles. And what has got our attention has got our direction. So we put our attention and our focus upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I'm just so grateful for a church that covers me on Mother's Day messages. Uh, I'm not really a Mother's Day person, uh, even though I'm a mama. Uh, I'm, I'm a leadership woman. And so guess what? Mamas lead big time. Mamas teach their kids so much. Like every moment of every day, they are teaching their kids something, right? I know I taught my kids a lot of things, some good, some bad, but I taught my kids a lot of things. But I did teach our children how to have anticipation. Just wait till your father gets home. <laughs> I taught my kids, yeah, you can, it's a mama joke. You know, my kids tease me about mama jokes, so I'm going to give you some mama jokes, real one. We taught our children about receiving. You're going to get it when your dad gets home. <laughs> We taught our children to meet a challenge. Rise up and meet this challenge. Answer me when I talk to you, and don't you dare talk back to me. We taught our children humor. Quit messing around that lawnmower. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't you come running after me. We've taught our children how to become adults. (laughs) If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. (laughs) We've taught our children about genetics. You are just like your father. (laughs) We taught our children about their roots. Shut the door. Were you born in a barn? (laughs) We've taught our children to appreciate a job well done. Hey, kids, if you're going to kill each other, go outside. I just finished cleaning the house. That's one I probably would have said. We've taught our children to pray. You better pray that stain comes out of the carpet. (laughs) We taught our children about logic. Just do it because I said so, that's why. (laughs) We taught our children about osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your food. That's a funny one. We taught our children about contortionism. Don't you see the dirt on the back of your neck? (laughs) We taught our children about stamina. You're going to sit here until that spinach is gone. We taught our children about the weather. 
Your room looks like a sly cone hit it. <laughs> we taught our children about hypocrisy. I've told you once. I told you twice. I told you a million times. Quit exaggerating. <laughs> we taught our children about justice. You know, have to get one in there on justice. One day you'll have kids. And I hope they turn out just like you. Then you'll know what it was like. Then you know what we had to deal with. You know what's funny about those things? It's more reality than we realize, right? We do teach. And we do have a big responsibility, not just as natural mothers, but as spiritual mothers and fathers. What an honor it is to take our lives and invest into others so they can be better than us. A core value of giving light is influence. And fathers and mothers are the greatest influence in a child's life. Grandparents come in at a second, second place. But the fact is, we must recognize that we have such influence. As a church, we have influence. And our goal is to raise up influencers. So this is a perfect message. That's about the end of my Mother's Day message, by the way. Okay, <laughs> we are influencers, all right? So let's look at our, our influence, all right? We firmly believe in the training and activation of every believer to establish the kingdom of God wherever they go. Isn't that what we want to do as moms? I'm investing into my kids I was a training mama. It wasn't about me just playing with them. If I was playing with them, it was for a purpose to train them in something. Everything was a, le a lesson. Because I wanted them to establish the kingdom of God. Our hope is that Giving Light's equipping culture becomes a breeding ground for purpose, creativity, and strategy to be revealed, developed, and fulfilled. Man, as you're investing into your girls... It's a breeding ground for their purpose, for their creativity. Man, this is an opportunity in the home to be able to invest into our kids in such a way that they're going to see the actualization of what God placed inside of them. To cultivate and activate what they receive. To be a righteous influence. I want my kids to be an influence. I want my grandkids to be an influence. Many years ago, as we started the church, you know, I felt like I neglected my kids all the time, and, and I did. And I remember just grieving and going to God and saying, oh, my goodness, Lord, my kids. If I lose my kids, I've lost everything. How do I do all this? How do we pioneer a church? How do we pay this price? How do we do all these things and take care of what you've given us, especially when you have shame and a sense of false responsibility and all those other things on the inside of you. How do we do all this without neglecting our kids? And one thing the Lord spoke to me, he says, you take care of my children, I'll take care of yours. What a blessing. My God took care of my kids. We want them to influence in every area of society to see lives and cultures positively transformed. You know, when I looked at our core value of influence, it is about us as a body spiritually parenting and generationally partnering 
so those we invest into can change their world. Isn't that exactly what you're trying to do in your family? Isn't that a desire of every mother to see their children be successful? You can see in Proverbs 1 and in Proverbs 6, it says, keep your father's commandment and forsake not the law of your mother. <laughs> I love that. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them around your neck. It shall lead you, keep you. It's a lamp. It's a light. It's reproofs of instruction. So what we invest into them as they are growing up, you're going to go up and say, whoa, mom wouldn't like this. Right? Amen. Did you hear the amen? Ding. When you hear a bell, an angel gets their wings. <laughs> I love this in 2 Timothy 1.5. His father was a heathen, but you know he had a godly mom. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother and your mother, I want that faith to be in you. Why? It's because we're influencers. You know, I can say anything, but my grandkids say, but mommy says, Right? Mommy's law, mommy's words hold a lot of weight. Oh, they love their daddy, but mommy's words are the one that hold a lot of weight. And the younger they are, when they're in trouble, guess where they go? To their mom. If they're hurting, where do they go? To their mom. You know, when they're struggling, where do they go? To their mom. <laughs> and so as mom, spiritual or natural, if we are investing then what's going to take place is that faith that is a genuine faith. This word means without hypocrisy. I'm not just walking around acting spiritual, but I'm highly spiritual. I'm not preaching the truth at them. I am living the truth before them. There's a big difference, guys. I love this. But I looked in a commentary and there's 23 times where it says, his mother's name was. And 22 out of those 23 times, it says, and his mother's name was, and he did evil. And his mother's name was, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that something? It didn't say his father. See, the mom has so much influence that our influence has the ability to empower our children to do good or to do evil. Now, everyone has a choice. We know that. Adam and Eve had the perfect father, correct? And they made some bad decisions. But isn't it unique in the Bible where it connects the mother to the actions of the son? That's really powerful. Do you know... There were some kings who had their mothers sit on their right hand. In fact, in some cases, the mothers were the queens, not the wife. The mother sat aside of the son, not the wife. Now, that's not in every case, but it was with Bathsheba. Man, but you know what she did? She fought for her son's life. She fought for, fought for her son's throne, for his destiny, for his purpose. Man, she was his biggest cheerleader, and he knew it. 
So guess what? I love it in the scripture of 1 Kings 2. It says, The king rose to meet her and bowed himself under her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother, and she sat on his right hand. You know, we're living in a world where every mama has a choice of what type of mama she's going to be. Every one of us have a choice of what we're going to do in our response to heaven. But it makes it a whole lot easier on us if our mothers champion us. I wish my mom was here today. Keep praying for her. But I'll tell you, before I got saved, oh my goodness, have mercy on me. I mean, you should have seen me. You were definitely one who thought I'd never get saved. You know, it's like, that girl, man, she is doomed, you know. <laughs> Man-hater, angry, woman's liber, instrument of injustice, all kinds of things. But I'll tell you, if anyone said anything negative about me to my mother, oh, she became a mama bear and you don't mess with my kids. I mean, I was messed up. I was an alcoholic at 21, but don't you dare say anything bad about Melody. I always knew my mama loved me even when I knew I was a jerk. Come on. I love Proverbs. No, I don't think I love Proverbs 31. For this illustration, I love it. But how many women hate Proverbs 31? <laughs> you start comparing yourself to Proverbs 31, you go, oh, woe is me. I'm just definitely not good enough. Something is wrong with me. I mean, who measures up to that? You know why it has such a high standard? It's because it was the prophecy that King Lemuel's mother gave. So it's mama saying, this is the type of woman you're going to marry. She's going to do this and this and this and this and this and this. Something no woman could ever live up to, right? And if you find her, man, you have really found something great. Someone who's virtuous and noble, and that's true. But boy, that's not an easy task. <laughs> man, she spoke into his life, you know, you are a king. And so there's things that kings should do and things that kings should not do. And you got to make sure as a king or a leader, you're making the right decisions. And so you got to make sure you get this type of wife. Because guess what? If you get the wrong woman, it could destroy the rest of your life. If you get the right one, it can power the rest of your life. This guy's better because of her. Isn't that right? I know Stephen's better because of me, and I don't say that prideful. Man, he came from abusive situations. He went through any kind of abuse there was. He experienced it. And I remember when we were first married, I mean, I never put him down. I never spoke against him. That's something that has never been a part of my DNA. And I remember going to him, and I'd be complimenting him, or I'd be telling him what was on the inside of him, or I would be telling him how I believed in him, and he'd get angry at me for being like over the top, believing in him. Why? Because he wasn't used to hearing anything like that. He went from an abusive home into the military and then he married me. So the things that I would say were completely contradictory to his experience. You know what, the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their daddy. 
Best thing a daddy can do for his kids is love mom. It brings such security. That's why it was such a big deal to the king's mama. So we are influencers of kings. Whether it's a king or a queen, you're an influencer of leaders. Influence means the power to produce an effect. It's the ability to affect someone's character, beliefs, or actions. And you look at Abraham Lincoln. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. You know, what we do today does not stop in time. Because in heaven, there is no time. We might pray for five minutes but what we pray echoes through eternity. We live in time because time is a resource that God gave us. And he goes, what you do with your time will impact all eternity. That's what leadership is. That's what self-leadership is. If I can lead my life and lead what I do with my time so that it's invested into something so much greater than me, that my time will not be wasted, but I will be accomplishing something that will reverberate through history. It's huge. We live in time, but God does not. So don't look and say, well, oh, you know, this is what I did. Praise God for everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, everything you did right, and everything you did wrong. Praise God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Andrew Jackson says, there never was a woman like her. I like this. She was gentle as a dove and as brave as a lioness. You know, real power is found in gentleness. Full power is when you're not controlled by circumstances. I just love that short little song. You know, I'm surrounded by him. This is the way I fight my battles. Some of our greatest battles are fought with peace. Devil, you are not going to control me. Last month, I've been dealing with the battles with my mom, concern for her doing construction in the house, you know, we're making, we made her a walk-in shower, and then Stephen having all these things, you know, and I'm going through all this stuff, and I'm going, man, the devil is afraid. <laughs> he is so afraid, and I want you to know we are pushing against a tipping point, and it's going to tip over, and we are going to have the fullness of the abundance, and guess what? I am surrounded by him. And when, hey, and then I get, last Friday night, my garbage disposal, you know, I don't know what happened to it, but junk is coming up out of the sink. And I go, oh, my gosh, Stephen, I mean, I, can't, I have to leave him alone. What do I, as a woman, do with this? I have no idea what's wrong. So I just kind of scooped out the water and stuck a lid on so it didn't stink and say, well, I'll figure it out later. And then I get up to do the dishes on Saturday morning, and my dishwasher overflows. And um, Stephen says, I think you have a clog in the drain. I go, oh, is that what it is? You know, I don't know this stuff. And he goes, get me a plunger. I mean, he's not feeling good. And he goes like this. It just solves the whole problem. I go, thank you, Jesus. But you know what? When that was happening, I started laughing. Because I recognize the enemy will throw everything at us. And Daniel, it says, his goal is to wear out the saints. 
The enemy's plan is to wear you out, to push you down, to shut you up, to discourage you, to bring you to places of hopelessness. But you know what the next verse says? But the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So either we're going to live in the weariness of this age, the pressure of this age, or we're going to rise up and possess the kingdom. And though, when those things happen, and I just see, you know, like when it rains, it's pours type thing. When I see that, I actually get excited because I know the devil is shaking in his boots. So I get even more determined. You know, before Christ, the type A personality was a negative trait. But I'll tell you, when you got a fight inside of you and you're stubborn to obey the voice of God and not be moved by your circumstances, I'm glad I'm stubborn. I'm glad I'm not controlled by those things. Oh, lioness, sorry, off track. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. That's powerful. Let's skip the next couple slides because of time. Let's go to George Washington's mother, Mary Ball. He was a Christian gentleman, and Thomas Jefferson said, he was indeed, in every sense of the word, a wise, good, and great man. George's father died when he was just 11 years old. Actually, that's how old I was when my dad died. But a Christian mother molded his character. He later wrote, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Man, what a tribute. What I'm talking about today is influence. I'm talking about being leaders of influence. And every mother does it every day. Every father does it every day. Every leader does it every day. Come on. This is how we live. Every time you go to work, you have an opportunity to be an influencer. Every sphere of influence you're in, you have an opportunity to be an influencer. And all these things we can apply to mothers or parents, but it's also to us as leaders. So I'm going to give you some attributes that will increase our influence. Number one is to be an example. In the marketplace, they say model the way. That means don't just preach it, live it. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. No, it's like that. No. Be confident in your faith by practicing it. What? Faith without works is dead faith. Faith is a belief. And what I believe causes action. So you know what I believe by what I do. Correct? You know what I value by what I do. You know what's important to me by what I do. People say, oh, that, that, man, I really value that. Well, if you really value it, you would see some actions to it. If my husband comes up and says, oh, Melody, I love and value you, but he doesn't give me any validation, he doesn't honor me, he doesn't celebrate me, then I would be hard to believe that what he said was actually true. See, it's not just what we say, it's the actions that we take, correct? This is the way to influence our kids. 
I remember because I went through my years of shame and fear and, you know, self-protective control. You all know me and all the stuff that I went through because of abuse and things like that. And when I began to get healed, I think Rebecca was in like ninth grade, going into ninth grade or going into 10th. And I, when I realized that so many things I did were driven by shame, so many things that I did that I thought were the right things were literally driven by shame. I thought I was training my kids, but I was so afraid that they would embarrass me and cause me shame. So my training really was to cover the shame and the fear on the inside of me. It's wonderful to be on the other side of that. But I remember going, and I kept going to my kids, please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I mean, I repented and repented. See, and if we're going to be an example, we have to model repentance. We have to acknowledge, oh, I could be wrong. I made a mistake. Oh, man, I full-blown sin, <laughs> you know. What I did is unacceptable. Forgive me. And I remember I kept going to Rebecca because Joel, he was like, hey, whatever, you know. I mean, he just was like Joel. But Rebecca was one who was quieter and held things in. And so I kept going to her and talking to her. And she says, Mom, will you stop repenting already? You showed me to seek first the kingdom of God, and that's the way I want to live my life. I go, okay, thank you, Jesus. Because she didn't embrace that because I was a perfect mother. She embraced that because of a perfect father. Come on. God has made our kids parent-proof. That doesn't mean that we do whatever we want. That means where we, when we're weak, he is strong. Where we're not perfect, guess what? He is perfect. And as long as we are drawing our kids' attention to God and not to us, then they will always look to him for their identity and not our approval. Approval from our parents is absolutely huge. And withholding love or withholding approval, and I'm not talking about actions, I'm talking about who they are. Withholding those things are destructive to their growth. And talk to them. I don't want to see you now. Don't even look at me now. So we're withholding love. It would be better to them a good whop on the butt and hug them and say, I love you than to withhold love, say, get away from me. I can't, I can't stand seeing your face right now. Come on. Okay, I'm preaching. Let's go back. Be an example. What did Paul say? Be ye followers of me. Well, how? As I follow Christ. I don't want anyone, as a leader, I don't want anyone to follow me unless I'm following Christ. If I'm not following Christ in something, don't listen to me. I remember telling my husband, I said, if you want to go to hell, you go to hell, but I'm not going to. I love you, but you got to be following Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus, I'm not following you. Bless his heart, he married a person with opinions, all right? Number two, see through the Father's eyes. Now, when we see through the Father's eyes, it's not based upon our reality. It's based upon heaven's reality. It takes great humility to say, I cannot look at this based upon my experience. 
I must look at this based upon how my father sees this. And when I'm talking about those that are investing into, I've got to look at my kids. I've got to look at people. Look past their immature actions and see the seed of who they are and what God's put inside of them. You know, I, I can look back at my life in the midst of all the stupid things I did, but you know, there was a seed of who God called me to be. And I can look back all the, all the way back to when I was a young little girl, as far as I can remember, and I saw justice woven in my heart. It took me many years to figure that out. And I did not know how to respond to this thing that was bubbling on the inside of me. So I did so many destructive things, self-destructive and destructive towards others. But the fact is, God put something there. And when you look at your kids and you see them do things, you're going to help me, Jesus, am I going to survive this? I don't know what to do. Everything I've tried, it's not working. Do I spank? Don't I spank? What do I do? How do I correct? All this stuff and all these things are running through your head. We've got to see the seed because there's always a backsided weakness to their strength. So if you happen to have a son that is a world changer, I mean, he's going to be bold. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to be strong. Guess what? He's going to be bold, aggressive, and strong when they're two. And you're going to, oh, please, let me have this passive kid. No. <laughs> We've got to see beyond the immaturity to see the seed that's inside of them. That's what we do as pastors. If we judged everyone who walked through the doors of the church based upon their actions, we would never be a safe place because we would then be critical. But if we can see the seed behind their actions... I love this in Proverbs 23. Let your father and your mother be glad and let him who bore you rejoice. That means your mother. Joel says, Mom, you bore me. <laughs> he teases me. The woman who bore me. <laughs> but see, we're going to be glad when we're able to see through the father's eyes. Because we're not going to see the processes of immaturity. We're going to see what God placed inside of them. You can say, Lord, this is hard. I really need your grace. I need supernatural wisdom. But the fact is, I recognize what they carry, and I want to protect that seed. Number three is be prophetic. Man, that fits exactly what I was just talking about. We need to stop, and we need to inquire of the Lord. Because I can come up and say, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. No, you need to stop and inquire the Lord. Because not every situation, no matter how much it looks similar, has the same solution. Every time the children of Israel went to battle, guess what? They inquired of the Lord, and there was a different way to fight that battle than the battle before. Well, this is what I've always done, and it's worked. That's what you should do. No, you need to inquire the Lord and say, how do I fight my battle? What are you telling me to do? He might tell you to get up and march around your house seven times. He might just say, just go to bed, hug your pillow, and walk in peace. Who knows what he's going to say, but we need to inquire of the Lord. God, what do I do with my kids? 
I'll tell you, it is prophetic revelation when that is applied to the raising of our children, spiritually or naturally, when that prophetic wisdom is released, that is the thing that sets them free. Just yesterday, I was talking to a young woman that I'm mentoring, and she was pouring out these things, and I said, my heart hurts for you, and I want to be empathetic, and I am empathetic, but the way I release my compassion is by speaking truth. Not like saying, oh, you poor little thing. No, let's speak truth. Because when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. I don't have power to fix anybody. I, as a mom, don't have any power to fix my kids or my grandkids. We are powerless. And the older they get, it is their choice, not ours. So what we do is we hear and we obey. And we've got to recognize the prophetic is challenging by its very nature. Think about this. When the angel went to Mary, I think that was challenging to her soul. Jesus feeding the 5,000, that went totally against every realm of logic. It wasn't just getting out of the box. It was getting rid of the box. And when you're walking in the prophetic, it doesn't always make sense to our natural minds. Joshua facing Jericho, okay, we're going to come up and we're going to war and all this stuff, you know, and we're to walk around and not say anything. Okay, that really sounds smart. Daniel praying when it was against the law. Man, I have, I have so much family, spiritual family in Nicaragua. And you know what? It's like blowing my mind. I'm just praying for them a lot because you know what? Almost every day they're breaking the law of the land to be a voice for justice. And it's like, oh, my goodness. They're going and going public, speaking to things. I mean, they're high-level leaders. There's major opposition coming against them. I mean, these are high level where they're in government and, and they're a high level ministry and they're, they're using their voice to be an instrument of justice for the good of the people to come against dictatorship and tyranny. And I'm like, in my heart, it's like, oh my goodness, Jesus, protect them. But you know, that's what Daniel did. He did what God told him to do even when it was against the law. Gideon, oh my gosh, we're going up against, what was it, like 300,000 you want me to only have 300? See, the prophetic is challenging by nature. It doesn't make sense to our logical minds. We can never pioneer anything unless we're willing to radically obey God even if it doesn't make sense. We have to have the courage to obey. Because see, when we're prophetic, we're always growing, advancing, increasing. Because we're not living for the temporal, we're living for the eternal. You know what, my kids, because we lived under poverty level for many, many years, my kids never had a swing set. You know, my kids never had a lot of these little basic things that every other kid had. And I mean, my greatest desire, you know, those little motorized cars. I wanted one so, so bad for Joel. 
It's probably saved his life that I didn't get it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe God was preserving his life. But the fact was, there were so many things. But see, those were temporal things. And I will tell you, I mean, there was Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. If it wasn't for Grandma, and where's Donna? Donna, now it's Donna Myers, but it was Donna Erdman them. If it wasn't for Donna Erdman and my mom, they wouldn't have gotten Christmas presents. You have to tell Donna, thank you. <laughs> But you know what? None of that hurt my kids. So we think, oh, man, they're going to do without. It's not not having the temporal things. It's having something that is so much greater, and that's the eternal things. Number four. Ooh, I have two minutes. Generational partnership. You know what? You know what you're doing as a parent? You're partnering with your kids. And one thing awesome about generational partnership, it doesn't stop when they're 18. It's believing in them, investing into them, valuing them and honoring them. It's being willing to continue to pay a price to see them walk out their destiny. I remember Joel, he was like 16, I think, and he was going through a real difficult time, and we had this guest minister come through. Actually, I don't know if you all, those that were here long ago, was uh, um, uh, Dr. Jim and Jeannie Davis, you remember them? And um, I remember they would come, and Joel was struggling with things. And you know what? I just released him. You know, get my kids. Just get my kids. And, you know, my kids, both Rebecca and Joel, really received from them. Because Joel was challenging. He would go up to a guest minister. I'm telling his stuff. He's not in here, so I can get away with it. Uh, he'd go up to a guest minister because he hated hypocrisy. He hated gossip. He hated judgment. He hated criticism. He hated all the religious stuff back when he didn't have all the terms for it. He wanted real. And I remember him coming to me and he says, I love God and I love you guys, but I hate the church because he so much, saw so much junk. But there was one couple that he trusted. And when, the, when a, a minister would come, a guest minister would come, and he goes, hey, guys, you know, I feel like going out and getting me a red dog. Is a red dog an alcoholic dress? Red Bull, I don't know, red, something, it's alcohol, I don't know. I don't, I'm glad you don't know, that's great. <laughs> but he'd, he'd go up and he goes, oh, I need me a red whatever. And they'd go, oh, you're a pastor's kid, you shouldn't act that way. Just because you're a pastor's kid, you shouldn't be rebellious. And he'd go, mom, I'm going over to this house, I don't even want to be around them. He's probably never to this day had a sip of alcohol in his mouth. I don't know if he has or he hasn't, but I don't think so. He didn't do it because he wanted it. He wanted to test their hearts. Were they religious? Were they judgmental? Were they attacking? Come on. That was pretty smart for a 16-year-old. And he wasn't going to receive from someone who had that attitude. But when Jim and Jeannie came, he go up to Jim and, oh, man, I feel like having a red whatever, you know. And he goes, oh, good idea, Joel. Get me one, too. Ha, ha, ha. You know, he loved him. And they spoke into his life, and they loved on him. And they said, Joel, you're going to be a pastor. He goes, I'm never going to be a pastor. And after a couple years, he went up to Jeannie one day, and he goes, you know, when I'm a pastor, she said, you said it. You said it. I was so glad that there was a spiritual mother and father to invest into my son when he did not receive from us. Not that he cut us off, but every mom is going to tell their kid they're great. I need somebody else to tell me I'm great. 
That's where we come in as a church family, to be able to speak what God says. Because we know mom and dad are going to do it. But how do other people see me? Come on. We all need value. i got to hurry up. Be a carrier of hope. Katie says, don't preach too long. Don't go over. And I have to obey Katie. With generational partnership, we share power. And, you know, the more mature our kids get, the more responsibility they take, they take the more power and authority they have. Can you trust them to take responsibility if the answer is yes to the level of responsibility you can give them authority? We don't raise kids to stay kids. I'll tell you, Joel wouldn't be hanging around this long if I kept him under. If I say, I'm your mom, you got to do what I say. You know, you'll, maybe someday you'll be good enough. Maybe someday you'll measure up. Maybe someday. Having an attitude like that will never produce partnership. Come on. If someone's willing to take responsibility, then we can give them authority. If people want authority, but they're not going to be willing to pay the price... If our kids said, oh, I want to be the boss. I remember Layla was three years old, and she went to her daddy and said, when do I get to be the boss? And he says, you can be the boss right now. And she said, I can. And he says, yes, you can be the boss of yourself. You can choose to obey, or you can choose to disobey. It's up to you. He said, I don't have the power to make you obey. You're the only one that has that power. And see... As she's grown and she's matured and you can trust her with responsibility, now you can start partnering. You don't have to wait till they're 17, 18, 20, 25 years old to partner. We start partnering with them wherever we can. I remember when we were pioneering the church and we were just, we lived way under poverty level. Like we had like $200 a month to live on. And a family of four, and it was really challenging. And so I would get stuff in... I don't even know how to do it anymore, but I would bake cinnamon bread. And it was like so good. People would just come and buy multiple loaves. We'd go to the garage auctions. I'd sell the bread to pay for the ranch, you know, all this stuff. But you know what? When I was baking that bread, they were sitting on the counter with me. You can relate to that. You guys cook. Gracie can cook better than me. I mean, I see things she makes on Facebook. I go, man. And I remember saying, shh, don't tell anybody, but I'd have them help me prepare everything that I did for children's church. And I had children's church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and doing all types of events with kids. And you know what? My kids were doing it with me. They were just sworn to secrecy. Rebecca always kept it. Joel, that was another challenge. He would be like, oh, he'd be all excited. And he'd tell somebody, don't tell them. Okay. Lastly, be a carrier of hope. I'm talking about being an influencer. All these things we should carry as moms. We should carry it as dads. Spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And I love this one the most. Because even if we make mistakes in all the others, if this is our heart and this is our attitude, guess what? We're always going to see good come out. And that's being a carrier of hope. Having sympathy on someone never 
ever empowers them to succeed. But having compassion is a different story. Jesus, when he was moved with compassion, he healed the sick. And even you can look in Matthew 9, you can pull that up. But he saw the multitudes. He saw, he grieved for the multitudes. Because what they were fainting, they were struggling. They were scattered as sheep having no shepherd. He saw that they didn't have spiritual mothers and fathers. They were all alone in this thing. He was moved with compassion. You know, when God put the fivefold and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what? For the equipping of the saints. It's not just task, it's giving their heart to the saints. Come on. Whether someone likes the term spiritual mother or father or not, the fact is that's what we need to be. And that's not just for fivefold. That is for anyone who is willing to say, I'm willing to invest my life into someone else. My mom has so many kids beyond us. She does. There are so many. Girl, I mean, I don't even remember people I went to high school with. Like, there's absolutely no con connection at all. But there are some that were in my graduating class that still pursue my mom. I'm seeing them now when they come and visit my mom. <laughs> because... Since high school, she's been a mama to them. Oh, my gosh. What an honor we have. When we're carriers of hope, we generate value, and we do it with our words, we do it with our attitudes, and we do it with our actions. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you that out of this house, we arise with a core value of influence. And you know each one. You know their sphere of influence. You know where you have planted them. You know what you've called them to do right here, right now, today. It's not just what they're going to do a month from now or two months from now or a year or a dream of what they want way in the future. But, Lord, what are they going to do today? How will they influence today? Whose life will they touch? Whose life will they give themselves to? Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you right now. You're doing such a beautiful work in our hearts. And so could I just have everyone stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just prophesy over each one. And I declare and decree mothers and fathers in the spirit are arising. I thank you, Father God, that you're equipping them, yes, in their own family, but you're equipping them to be those who take and give what they have received to others. Lord, I just thank you that in the midst of giving, they'll automatically receive. Lord, I thank you that hopelessness and defeat and depression and heaviness and weariness is being broken off because, Lord, they're willing to give, that they're not spending their life taking and getting, but they're spending their life contributing and giving and empowering and being a carrier of hope. I decree it right now over them in the name of Jesus. Father, I bless them. I thank you that you grace them. I bless every mama today on Mother's Day. And Lord, I thank you for all the things that they have done that have honored you and has honored their kids. I thank you that they are carriers of hope. They don't see what's wrong with them. They see what's right with them. They don't look at what they're not doing. They're looking at what they are doing. They're not looking at the things 
that you want them to do differently, but they're going to radically abandon themselves to the will of God and seek first the kingdom. Father, I just thank you that we are raising up kingdom leaders spiritually and naturally, and I speak blessing over each home in Jesus' name. Amen.